The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. I invite y'all to open your Bibles to Psalm 119, verses 97 through 105. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, open our eyes to behold wondrous things in your word, to see more of your glory in the face of your son, Jesus Christ. May your spirit make this word to be with the psalmist as it is, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Pray this in the name of the word made flesh, Jesus, and by your spirit. Amen. So if you haven't already, I do invite you to open to Psalm 119, starting in verse 97. So uh, several weeks ago, Brad, y'all remember Brad, right? Um, he's an associate pastor here, he's been on sabbatical or whatever for the past couple of weeks. And anyway, several weeks ago, um, he shared an illustration in the midst of a sermon. It's this illustration that involves these blind men trying to figure out what an elephant is. And as soon as he started into that, I was like, he's stealing my illustration. Because um, I knew I was going to use it today for this sermon. I'm going to use it anyway. Because... Uh, it fits perfectly with the truth that we need to see. So if you're unfamiliar with this, it's a very common illustration. And so there's four blind men standing around an elephant trying to figure out what it is. And one of them's feeling the elephant's side and is like, well, I think this is a wall. And another one has a hold of the trunk and is like, nah, this has got to be a snake. The other one's feeling an ear and is like, no, I think, I think it's a fan. And the last one's got the tail. It's like, you're all wrong. It's a, it's a rope. You, you get the idea of what's going on here. Now, None of them know it's an elephant because they can't see, nor can they feel the entire thing. Each of them only has a small piece of information, and therefore their interpretation goes awry. And here's the deal. This illustration is used most commonly uh, for people to talk about humans trying to understand God. Uh, And the blind men, they represent different world religions. So Hinduism, Hinduism. Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, and and the idea is that we're all grasping at the same thing, but none of us have the whole picture. So none of us can actually talk about God clearly. We, We can't talk about him with any clarity. However, the illustration has a a glaring problem because there is one absolute definite way that a blind man could know he's feeling an elephant and describe it with great clarity. He could do so if the elephant speaks. 
Like if the elephant could say, yo, I'm an elephant, and go on to describe himself, then even though you're blind, you could see and see with clarity. The good news is that God is a God who speaks. He reveals himself. We're not grasping in the dark. He makes himself known, and he does so clearly through his word. That's what I want us to see this morning, the clarity of the word. We're in the midst of a Lenten series entitled Not by Bread Alone, in which we are trying to see what is it that we believe about God's word, about this book? Why do we believe it? We're trying to see those things so that we might live by this word. And if you were with us last week, the truth that we sank our teeth down into was the reliability of the word. And I hope through everything that we saw, I hope that your trust in God's word really began to to grow. But my fear is that for some of you, confusion is what began to grow. Or, or maybe even better put, frustration. Frustration began to grow. Because maybe as we talked about the reliability of the word, you were left thinking, Jonathan, that's great. It's great that the Bible's reliable, but it isn't clear. Like, wonderful that it can be trusted, but what am I supposed to trust? Because I can't understand it. I can't, I can't see what it's saying. I feel like one of those blind men grasping at the elephant. And it's great that you say the elephant speaks, but I don't understand what it says. Shades, this is why we need to see the good news of the clarity of the word. So Psalm 119, you're in verse 97. Look at what the psalmist says. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Why? All of us spend all day thinking about something. What's your meditation all the day? For the psalmist, it's apparently the word of God. Why? He tells us, verse 98, your commandment makes me wiser. It makes me wiser than my enemies, for it's ever with me. I have more understanding. I've got more understanding than my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your your precepts. The psalmist says the reason why he loves God's word, the reason why he makes it the idle hum of his mind is meditation all the day, is because through it he gains understanding. Through it he begins to see the world more clearly. He says he gains more understanding than every category of people he knows in his life. More than my enemies, more than those who've taught me, more than the aged, more than anybody, more than anything anyone has ever been able to offer me, this word brings my world into focus and therefore I love it. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than than honey to my Mouth, and here's the kicker through your precepts, through them, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way because through your word, I'm able to discern what the false way is, what the true way is. I get understanding. It shows me how to walk through this life. I know that's what he means because of the very next thing he says in verse 105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It helps me see, and it helps me see with clarity. The meaning of the word is clear. 
shining forth like a, like a lamp lighting our way through, through life. Shades, the clarity of this word is good news because we live in a world that is dark and we need something to light the way. And God has not left us in the dark. He's given us a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. He's given us his word to bring clarity to our world. The clarity of the word is good news. Let's see it together by looking at four things. Four things about, four things we need to see about the clarity of the word. Number one, let's see what clarity doesn't mean. Let's start there. Because maybe for some of you, even as I'm talking about this, you're already, you're getting more frustrated. Okay, you say it's clear, not clear to me. Let's, so let's start with what clarity doesn't mean. To put it clearly, huh? Thank you, whoever that was. <laughs> clarity doesn't mean that everything in this book is equally easy to understand. That is not what we mean. In other words, you're right. When you, when you encounter things in Scripture that you feel like, man, this is hard. This is tough sledding. I had a clue what this means. You're right. There are things that are very difficult to understand. We all feel that way. Authors of Scripture themselves felt that way. The Apostle Peter, who spent time with the Lord Jesus himself. You want to talk about going to the best seminary. There it is. Spent time with the Lord Jesus himself and wrote Portions of our New Testament. He looks at the letters of the Apostle Paul and goes, huh, some of that's a little tough sledding. He says it really explicitly in 2 Peter in verse 316. He says, there are some things in them that's in Paul's letters. There are some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. Yeah, You ever feel Peter as you read through Romans? Or the tight argumentation in Galatians? There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Very interesting. Peter's self-acknowledging calls Paul's letters scriptures right there. But anyway, that's beside the point. Another story for another day. Peter says, look, there are definitely parts of scripture that are more difficult than, than others. But even in saying that, Peter doesn't give us an excuse to ignore them or twist them to mean whatever we want them to mean. No, we still have, to, we still have, a, have a need to seek to understand them because even though they are hard, Peter still believes they can be understood. He doesn't say just give up or twist it. No, he believes they can still be understood. He believes that there is still clarity even when it's not that easy to see. The clarity of the word doesn't mean that everything is easy to understand in Scripture. So, that's what clarity doesn't mean. What does it mean? That's number two. Second thing we need to see about clarity. Number two, what clarity does mean. I think Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 14, really help us out here. I think some of those are listed on the back of your bulletin for memorization this week. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 to 14 Tells us what clarity means most clearly. Ha, huh, sorry. All right, I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm just gonna keep doing it, all right? So this is Moses speaking to God's people before they enter into the promised land. 
right? And what he basically does is he preaches one long sermon to them, reminding them of the law. You, you ever done like a year-long Bible reading plan and you get to Deuteronomy and you're like, I've read all this. You have. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomos, literally means second law. It's the law on repeat because Moses is preaching it to the people saying, when you get into the land, don't forget this. Remember this. And so Deuteronomy 30, this is after Moses has rehashed the law for the people. And this is how he concludes his sermon, if you will. This commandment that I command you today, it's not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So Moses looks at the people and basically says, when you get into the promised land, you really don't have any excuse for not living according to God's word because he's given it to you and he's given it to you clearly. It's what he means when he says it's, it's not a heavenly secret that like you've got to ascend to spiritual heights in order to find it and figure it out. Nor is it like hidden beyond the ocean so that you have to work really hard in this world to earn the right to know what God's word says. No, he says the word is near because God has given it to you. The word is clear. He's put it in your mouth. He's put it in your heart so that you can do it. Shades, the clarity of the word means, here's what it means, it means that even if there are things that are hard to understand, the main thing is always clear to those who have ears to hear. And try to use the difficulty of Scripture to dismiss the plain meaning of Scripture. But clarity means that even though there's things that are hard to understand, the main thing is always clear for those who have ears to hear. In other words, the central message of Scripture, the gospel, is clear. And it's clear enough for everyone. Psalmist says so, Psalm 119 and verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. In other words, to the one that doesn't have a great education, the one who feels like they don't really understand much, your word gives them understanding. It gives them light. The main message of scripture is clear and it is clear for all. I had a seminary professor who used to put it this way. Uh, he, he would say that the word of God is like a pool of water, and it's shallow enough that even a toddler can play in it without fear of drowning, and simultaneously deep enough that there is no scholar who can dive and find the bottom. Like in other words, in other words, you don't have to be a scholar to understand the gospel. No, Jesus himself says that God gives the understanding of these things, the understanding of the kingdom of heaven, of the gospel. He gives it to children. I believe that, Shades. There are, there are many times that I think Asher, my six-year-old, has a firmer grasp on the gospel than me because he believes it in its simplicity, in its, in its clarity. Shades, this is what we mean by the clarity of the word. 
everyone with ears to hear can understand the main message of Scripture. God has made clear all that is necessary for salvation. And even if we don't understand it all perfectly, we can understand it sufficiently. That is what we mean by clarity. Now, that may still leave you thinking. Jonathan, it's great, but even that doesn't happen for me. Like, I don't feel like there's any clarity at all concerning scripture. What, why do I still feel, I get what you're saying, I hear what you're saying, but why do I still feel like I don't see the word clearly? That question leads us to the third thing that we need to see about clarity. Number three, what means bring clarity? What means, tools, means that God has given us? What means are needed, are used, are gifts given so that we might have clarity? Just a minute ago, I read to you Psalm 119 and verse 130. Listen to the beginning of it again. The unfolding of your word gives light. The unfolding, it's a Hebrew word that has to do with opening a door. In, in other words, God has given us means by which his word is unfolded, opened up, unpacked. He's given us means that bring clarity. What are those means? I'm just going to give you three today. So these are three sub-points underneath point number three. So first, hearing. Hearing. I know, revolutionary stuff. Don't worry, it gets more mind-blowing than this. Hearing or reading, if you can read. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing hearing from the word of Christ. In other words, this is, this is the first and foremost means of how the Lord gives you clarity. It's through hearing the word. You've got to hear it before you can understand it. If you're not hearing it at all, if you're not being exposed to it all, then chunk clarity out the window. That's not even possible. You've got to hear it before you can understand. And I don't just mean like, physically hear it with your ears or physically read it with your eyes. You ever been reading a book and like your mind is somewhere completely different and you realize it after like a whole page and you gotta go back and start that page over again? I do that all the time. I think that's how often we hear or read scripture. I don't just mean physically hearing or reading, but actually listening, to taking in what you're Reading, what you're hearing. Um, when I was in youth ministry uh, for a decade, um, praise you, Jesus, that those days are behind me. I'm in, my I'm in my grandparent phase of youth ministry, which means I'll get invited on occasion to go speak at a youth camp. And so I just get to come in and play with the kids and then leave them and be like, y'all deal. It's great. It's wonderful. It's the best way to do youth ministry, but that's beside the point. Anyway, when I was, uh, when I was in youth ministry, often I would have students talk to me about not understanding scripture. And after just a few questions... Uh, I would, the, the largest thing I would discover was that they weren't even engaging it at all. 
They just assumed because they'd had a hard time one time. Just assumed it was too hard. It was too difficult. And they never read it, never really listened, never really took anything in. They don't hear it or read it. Shades, this is the first means that brings clarity. If we want to know God through the word, we've got to hear the word. Second, second means, thinking. I told you it was going to get more revolutionary. Thinking. Second Timothy 2.7, this, this verse is vital to the way I understand God working through the word. Second Timothy 2.7, this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, his younger brother in the faith that he's discipled. And he says to Timothy, think over what I say. For, that's a grounding clause. In other words, here's the reason you need to think. Think over what I say because the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is mind-blowing because normally we pit those two things against each other. In other words, normally, if I were to say to you, God's going to give you understanding in everything, we think that means, all right, no hard work of the brain right here. The Lord's just magically going to make Scripture make sense and bypass the mind that he gave me for some reason. Or we think, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I don't need God at all. All I need is education, get into the academy, dig into all the books, and then I can understand Scripture clearly. Paul inseparably links these things by making thinking a means by which the Lord does his work. Think over everything because in your thinking, through your thinking, God will give you understanding in everything. Timothy, it is precisely through the means of your thinking that God will bring clarity. We saw this with the psalmist over and over again already, right? I meditate on your word all the day. I turn it over. I think about it constantly. I look at it from every possible angle. I'm chewing on it. I, I am marinating my mind in it because that's when my mind will begin to take on its flavor. We must think, study, learn, learn more about how to dig into our Bibles. I mean, if, if you come to this book and it's frustrating, have you sought out any tools to help you dig into it more? This book was written a very long time ago, people. A very different context, very different cultures. And God is, God is a God of means. He doesn't bypass the things that he works through. He didn't put the biblical authors in a trance and dictate words that would just be simple and easy for everyone always everywhere to understand. He worked through their personalities, through their vocabulary, through their culture, through all of these things. And it takes work. For us to dig into and to understand what's going on, it takes the work of thinking, and it's through our thinking, Paul says, that God uses that as a means to bring about clarity. Uh, Pastor John Piper puts it this way. He says, if you rake, just stay on the surface, you get leaves, but if you dig, you get diamonds. Often God gives us the diamonds, the riches of his word by means of our thinking. So, the means that bring clarity are hearing, thinking, and third, I told you I was going to give you 
three. This third one right here, it is one of the most necessary and also probably the most neglected means in our cultural context. What am I talking about? Community. The third means that God uses to bring clarity, community. Again, here are the words of Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.14. As for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul tells Timothy, remember the community from whom you learned the word. The community from whom you've learned the word since childhood. If you go back to 2 Timothy in chapter 1, you'll see part of who Paul is talking about. Timothy's mom and grandmom. My mom's here. I've told you all about my grandmom before. My grandmother, my mother. I, if you put them in seminary in front of me and said I could only pick one, it's not even a choice. Not even a choice. For clarity and understanding that has come into my life about this word through community. Timothy's community began with his mother and his grandmother. It continued by being trained by other teachers such as Paul. And Paul even instructs Timothy, he's to be one of those teachers and to pass on what he has learned. 2 Timothy 2.2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The, the point is that understanding of this word happens in Christian community. Again, when I was a youth pastor and students would tell me they were having a hard time understanding scripture and I would kind of ask them some questions and if I found out they were actually engaging the word, then I would tell them the number one most likely reason they were having a hard time understanding the Bible is because they were reading it alone. And they would look at me like I was insane. And that's because most of us, if you grew up within the church, you grew up having personal time with God, a quiet time, whatever you want to call it, being emphasized as the measuring stick of your Christian maturity. Like, this is the measure of how much you love Jesus and how much you know Jesus. Whether or not you spend personal time reading the Bible and personal time by yourself in in prayer. Now, doing that, if that's the measure of spirituality for Christians, then the first 1,500 years of Christians were terrible Christians. None of them owned a personal copy of the Bible. Printing press hadn't even been invented yet. Overwhelming majority of them were illiterate not even able to read the Bible by themselves. And yet, what's interesting to me is that the New Testament authors assume that still for them, they are going to be able to engage God through the word. Shades, we need, we need to expand our understanding 
of how God works in our lives through the word. It is not just through personal Bible reading. Again, 1,500 years of Christians couldn't even do that, yet they still encountered God through the word. How? Community. This is a communal book. Like I even grew up hearing like, you know, this is, this is God's personal love letter to you. And no, it's not. He's got a lot of things to say to me and about his love for me. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna have a personal relationship with Jesus. We talk about that kind of stuff all the time. Yes, absolutely. Never outside of the context of community. The early church could not compute the idea of a Christian that didn't belong to a local congregation. They, that's like saying, uh, I'm in the NBA, but I'm not on a team. Like being a part of the team that makes me a part of the NBA. Like these things just go together. This is a communal book written to communities for the purpose of being read in community, taught in community, studied in community, learned in community, discussed in community. Christianity is not a loner religion in any sense, and that includes when it comes to studying the word. Shades, I don't study this word by myself. When, when I'm studying for a sermon, I bring the things that I'm reading and I'm thinking into conversation with other pastors in the conversation with Brad whenever he chooses to actually work and not be on sabbatical, I'm not bitter. I study surrounded by books. This is the Christian community. These are saints who've gone before us and saints who are still with us, all helping to bring their voice, their perspective, helping me to see, helping to bring clarity. The Spirit works through the Word and the church as a means of bringing about clarity. I do not say any of that, please, before everybody goes and over lunch talks about how Jonathan said, don't have a quiet time. <laughs> I am not denigrating or devaluing personal Bible reading. Not at all. It is a gift, a gift that you have a copy of the scriptures. If you want to see what kind of gift it is, read the biography of William Tyndale. This is a book that came to you through blood. It is a gift that we have this. Not only that, an argument can be made that it is because of this book that you can read. Printing press in combination with the Protestant Reformation, Protestants who believed that every Christian should be able to have access, not through a priest or a pope, but access to the word of God that was so important to them. Do you know what they did? They built schools and universities and taught people how to read. Christianity has been the number one accelerating factor of literacy in the world, bar none. Because we're a people of the book. It is a gift that you have this book. It is a gift that you can read. By all means, read it, study it. But even then, even then, bring what you're reading, what you're studying in private into conversation with saints who are further along than you. 
To embrace the idea that Christianity is just the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and me always ends in the same place. Heresy. Every time. Because one of the primary means through which the Spirit works to bring clarity is the church. He uses saints who've gone before us and saints who surround us. As a pastor, this is one of my primary charges. Titus chapter 1 and verse 9 instructs me and the elders here to teach the word, sound doctrine, and be able to refute false doctrine. Even as we study individually, we bring what we're studying, what we're reading into conversation with wise Christian community who can help bring about clarity. So, community, I truly believe, is one of the greatest means that God uses to bring about clarity of the word. But it is not the ultimate means. It's not the ultimate means. That we actually see through the fourth and final thing. So we've seen what clarity doesn't mean, what it does mean. We've seen the means of clarity. Fourth and final thing, we need to see who ultimately gives clarity? Who ultimately gives clarity? Psalm 119 and verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. That's what I prayed before, before we opened this book. Because I don't care. I don't care how much I read how much I hear, how much I think, how much I surround myself with books by other saints, dead and still alive, how much I talk with others. I don't care how much I do all of that unless the Spirit of God works. There's no clarity. The psalmist prays. He prays and he asks God for clarity. Because he believes that the Spirit's work is necessary. Shades, there are, um, there are plenty of scholars out there who are not believers in Jesus on any level. And they study scripture and uh, the ancient context of the Greco-Roman uh, world. They study all of that just as a means of, of just as their academic profession. I, I've read a lot of their works. And for many of them, they are <laughs> more brilliant than I could ever hope to be. Reading their work is so sad because they see so much and miss what matters. What is so clear by the work of the Spirit, they are blind to it. They know the depths of cultural context and history, but they miss what is just laying on the surface, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We will not see with clarity unless the Lord works. This is his word. So the psalmist asks God to be at work in his hearing, in his thinking, and in his community. Psalm 119 and verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding. Give it to me. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. Shades, the ultimate reason that we do not see Scripture clearly is because of sin. 
I'm not talking about specific sins. Sure, that can get in the way sometimes, but I'm talking sin in general. The ultimate reason we don't see scripture clearly is because of sin. It has broken and twisted everything, including our ability to see and understand God's word. We won't see and understand it unless he gives us eyes to see. So pray, ask him, Make the move from he is to you are. In other words, we can stay here all day and we can talk about God is the one. He is, he is, he is the one who gives sight. We can acknowledge that truth all day long, but unless you make the move from he is to you are, God, you are the one who gives sight, so give it to me. Unless you make that move and actually engage with the Spirit of God, there will never be clarity here. Ask him, pray like the psalmist when you read or hear the word. Ask the Lord to be at work. Ask the Lord to be at work through through people that he brings into your life, through Christian community to help you grow in understanding. Ask the Lord to bring about clarity when you engage him through this word. Because the good news, Shades, the good news is that is precisely what he aims to do. He wants you to see his glory. Don't believe me? Listen to Jesus pray. John 17 and verse 24, Jesus says, Father, I desire. You want to know what Jesus desires? I desire that they also They who follow me, my disciples, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory. Jesus wants you to see and enjoy his glory. Yes, in eternity, but even now, through his word, ask him. See if he doesn't give you clarity. Ask him. See if he doesn't show you his glory through the clarity of the word.